0: A lawyer reads Twitter's new manipulated media policy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a bit of a rare one in virtual legality as we get to actually explore the legality of the virtual. Also, This has turned out to be something of a Twitter-centric week in virtual legality, as the earlier video we did this week on Baby Nut and the planter's brand's violations of Twitter's uh, meme and false account policies now lead into Twitter adopting a new rule. And every time that Twitter adopts a new rule, I like to dive in because, frankly, the tech giants don't write rules and regulations and contract language exactly the same way as really the rest of the country and other industries. They like to be a little bit more homespun, a little bit more approachable. But because of that, it leaves these kinds of vagaries that I don't love as a lawyer, and that gives Twitter a little bit more power than maybe I think they should. Now, before we dive into this rule, I wanna give a disclaimer. If this is your first time in virtual legality, it's very important to understand that when we talk about terms and conditions, when we talk about contract language, We aren't talking about things that folks like Twitter or Facebook or Google aren't allowed to do. For the most part, these are private corporations running private services, and they are allowed to do what they want. This isn't a first amendment issue. This isn't a due process issue. But in that same vein, it is also acceptable to comment on and criticize the way they adopt their own rules. Just like you don't have to love it when Electronic Arts puts loot boxes in your favorite video game. You don't have to love it when Twitter does something weird with its rules or bans somebody that you think is unfairly persecuted. Those kinds of things are absolutely ripe and in my opinion appropriate for commentary. So I'm going to have this video. I'm going to talk about a few ways in which I think the rule here are a little bit deficient uh, and also why I think it's probably necessary to start looking at these things. Now, What are these things? So we've got here a tweet in front of us from about 4 p.m., about four hours ago from Twitter safety that says, we know that some tweets include manipulated photos or videos that can cause people harm. Now that in and of itself is a sentence loaded with kind of judgment, right? Because we don't ordinarily think of videos or photos, even if they're manipulated, even if they're lies, really, as causing people harm. You know, they're not knives, they're not actual physical violence, but Twitter is probably right in a kind of broad schema that something that is manipulated could cause significant harm, right? We talk about slander and libel in the law. We talk about lies that can defame someone. If you were to take a picture of me or someone else that's famous and put a chroma key in their background and put them in front of some kind of white supremacist rally and then put that out for the world to see as the truth, as the reality of the situation, you can see how something like that could cause what I would describe as reputational harm. So Twitter isn't completely coming from far afield on this. We are entering into an era where manipulation of media is something that can probably cause otherwise well-intentioned, not white supremacy rally attending people, actual reputational harm. Continuing with their statement here, they say, today we're introducing a new rule and a label that will address this and give people more context around these tweets. And I've put on now just for a second, they've got a 30 second video here that talks about what they are gonna do. We're actually gonna dive into the rule language. So this is just really a primer for what they are planning, but they're planning a label that says manipulated media. And then they're also planning to link you to Twitter moments and other kind of reputational sources that will explain how something was altered to give you a better understanding of the reality of the situation. You see here, they've got the tagline, we are making Twitter a safer place for conversations. Now, we've talked about it in virtual reality in the past, but one of the things that always pops up with Twitter and Google and Facebook and the like is a kind of who watches the watchers question. We're gonna get into that. But certainly part of this conversation is, what is Twitter actually going to do with this very broad facing rule? Who are they going to point you to to tell you the truth about something? Now, this is a little bit more quantifiable than strictly things like political statements, where you do have a wide variety of gray areas where we don't necessarily want the Facebooks and the Googles and the Twitters of the world to determine truth. Presumably, if somebody never said something and a video is being made to make them say something, that should be something that is ascertainable and that an actual expert at media manipulation could objectively ascertain And describe for its Twitter users. So we're not quite on the full edge of worrying about the vagaries here, but there is probably some room for political implications for folks on various sides of the spectrum to actually use their own expertise to maybe move things around a little bit when there are these kinds of manipulated photos or videos at play. So when that happens, we always like to think about exactly what Twitter could do with one of these rules. Here's how they describe their new rule in their 280 characters. You may not deceptively share synthetic or manipulated media that are likely to cause harm. That's the whole of the rule. In addition, we may label tweets containing synthetic and manipulated media to help people understand their authenticity and to provide context. So you can share them if it's not deceptive, and we can also link it to somebody that'll explain what was changed here and why you shouldn't take it on its face. Okay, probably not the worst description, but as is always the case, the devil is in the details. So first, I want to talk to you a little bit about synthetic media, which is just Uh, A funny term for me, I think of synthetics as things like data from Star Trek The Next Generation, but synthetic media has apparently become the term that is used to describe what we might otherwise think of as deepfakes, and if you're not familiar with that term, I brought up a Vox article here that actually includes the video that BuzzFeed did that was Jordan Peele speaking in Obama's voice to warn you about deepfake technology, and if you go and you look at this video in this article, you'll actually see that they used artificial intelligence and deep fake technology to make it look like president obama was giving you this warning about deep fakes and also saying some other silly things so that it was obvious that it wasn't actually president obama that was saying these things and that's a very funny video it's a very interesting look at deep fake technology this is from almost two years ago now from april of 2018 And certainly with this kind of implication, you can see why Twitter wanted to address this when it did. We are in an election year in the United States. And so Twitter and Facebook and Google and everybody else is at least somewhat concerned, not just about fake news being reported or printed or otherwise disseminated in very simple ways, but also a lack of sophistication amongst certain users that could see a video of President Trump or Joe Biden or any of the other Democratic candidates saying something that they wouldn't otherwise be saying that could hurt them in the polls, that could change the face of the election in the United States. So Twitter gets out there in front of this and says, hey, if you are going to use synthetic and manipulated media, we've got a few rules for you. Now, let's take a look at the rule itself. Here is their synthetic and manipulated media policy. In overview, You may not deceptively share synthetic or manipulated media that are likely to cause harm. In addition, we may label tweets containing synthetic and manipulated media to help people understand their authenticity and to provide additional context. So their overview is exactly the same as their tweet. They like to do those. They like to do those cute little 280 character overview rules, which aren't very uh, explanatory for someone that would like to comply with them. So we have to dig a little bit deeper. Following up with the rule, you should be able to find reliable information on Twitter, Okay, let's stop there. As we talked about in our earlier video this week, when we were talking about Baby Nut and planters and why Twitter had a rule against these fake accounts and essentially gaming their algorithm to have something like Nut Baby or Baby Nut or Baby Nut Memes or Baby Nut Lol actually rise up their trending algorithms, it was because, at least on its premise, with the suspension of disbelief, Social media is designed around people having authentic experiences with the other user that they are talking to. And to the extent that is compromised, Twitter and Facebook and Google's value is compromised. So they have a reason to defend this just from a corporate standpoint, just from a standpoint of fiduciary duty. They don't want just bots and corporations and fake things running around their accounts, even if it can help in certain respects to keep the, the, the churn moving and to keep their actual service popular. That means understanding whether the content you see is real or fabricated and having the ability to find more context about what you see on Twitter. Therefore, we may label tweets that include media, videos, audio, and images that have been deceptively altered or fabricated. Now, we want to take apart that sentence a little bit because as a lawyer, and I don't necessarily advise that you take tech giant terms and conditions and rules strictly as legal speak because they aren't always that specific. But if we actually take it apart, looking at it from a kind of legal standpoint, the word deceptively is doing a lot of work right there. If you took that out of this sentence, you would have it say that we may label tweets that include media that have been altered or fabricated. It doesn't say that. Deceptively actually adds another limiter on the concept here. So Twitter is only really reserving the right to look at things that are deceptive in their alteration. So you see a lot of responses on the internet right now and on Twitter specifically saying Twitter has banned all memes and things that are photos where you take a cat head and you put it on a president or something like that and you have a speech bubble come out and say something funny about The Last Jedi. That really hasn't been banned just based on this rule. I'm not saying that Twitter couldn't do it if they wanted to, although I think it would hurt... Some of the use of their service from a lot of people that like those memes and like to laugh about them. So I don't think they're inclined to do that. Those wouldn't necessarily be deemed as deceptive, right? Now, unfortunately, deception is kind of in the eye of the beholder. So you still have the problem of what amounts to the stupidest person in the room, right? If anyone is deceived by something, does that mean that this should be able to be banned by Twitter? We saw a couple of months ago, I think, uh, a meme that went out. I think even President Trump wound up tweeting it out of him putting a Medal of Honor around a dog. And of course, he didn't do that. He never did that. It was a a altered picture of the president putting a Medal of Honor around another recipient. And I think most people that are used to seeing these kind of photographs and these memes looked at that and said, oh, yeah, there's a clear outline around the dog. Nobody actually thinks that that happened. But would somebody think that that could happen? could someone that maybe isn't familiar with memes is looking at something that's retweeted by the president of the united states for pete's sake think that that really happened now we'll get to the other ways that that maybe wasn't a problem because it probably didn't cause harm and things like that but if anybody could be deceived by it it seems to me like twitter might be able to put the label on it might be able to have it removed and that presents its own kind of problem because you're always really going to be able to argue on the internet that someone could have been deceived by something. If you're on Twitter regularly, or if you're in Reddit, or anywhere else on the internet, you probably know of some parody accounts that say absolutely ridiculous, bonkers things. And you know, if you're on Twitter and you go and you actually look at the responses to those ridiculous, bonkers things, that somebody somewhere thinks it was an accurate depiction of the parody accounts' real, honest-to-God beliefs. So you're probably always going to be able to say there's someone dumb enough to believe this. And if that is the case, it could be considered deceptively altered. And if that is the case, then Twitter might be reserving the right to remove it. So as you can see, if you're a lawyer and you're looking at these kinds of rules, it's very easy to kind of go down the rabbit hole and try to think of the ways that a tech giant, a social media company like Twitter, could use them against you. And whenever you have this kind of broad authority to do whatever you want, if you can make this claim about any kind of alteration that it is deceptive then maybe you start picking winners and losers. Maybe you start to get into those arguments where people look at Twitter and look at Facebook and look at the other social media companies askance. And we wind up doing another three videos on section 230 and whether or not internet companies should be able to get limited liability for the stuff that is put on their service. It's a whole rabbit hole. I don't recommend it. And yet here we are in virtual legality. In addition, you may not share deceptively altered media on Twitter in ways that mislead or deceive people about the media's authenticity where threats to physical safety or other serious harm may result. So again, they kind of put four conditions in this sentence, right? But we can kind of break it apart a little bit. First, you've got a piece of deceptively altered media. You've met that condition. Then it says you're not allowed to share that in a way that could mislead or deceive people. Said another way, after we look at this whole rule, we'll see that Twitter basically says you can put something that's deceptively altered in a tweet but if your tweet actually says hey look at this cool deep fake i did and how i made obama say something about the rise of skywalker then that might be okay because it's clear just from the context of your tweet that this is a fake video but you are prohibited as another user of twitter to come in take that video and then say wow look what obama said about the rise of skywalker that's where you violate it because it wasn't deceptive when it originally went up It's deceptive in the new context in which you've placed it. However, that alone might not be enough to make Twitter mad at you because you see the final condition in this sentence where it says, where threats to physical safety or other serious harm may result. It is uh, probably not the case that President Obama's fake statement in support of the rise of Skywalker is going to cause anybody physical harm or other serious harm. So probably you're okay even doing that. Twitter is trying to have its cake and eat it too by looking like it's going to do something about these videos, but putting so many conditions on it that one could feel pretty safe about doing most things on the service, while simultaneously Twitter could look at it from the slightly different point of view and say, yes, we can remove it, we can label it, we can ban you, we can do what we want. We use the following criteria as we consider tweets and media for labeling or removal under this policy as part of our ongoing work to enforce our rules and ensure health, healthy and safe conversation on Twitter. Additional information is available below. We have to look at this chart, right? And it's a little bit small on your screen. So we've got another tab where it's significantly bigger. And if we look at this chart, there's a couple of interesting things that pop out. So, in this chart, we've basically got a kind of three prong test, what we might call a three factor test in the law. The first factor is the content significantly and deceptively altered or fabricated. Are we looking at a photo or video or something else that is designed to deceive and has been altered in that attempt? The second prong is is the content shared in a deceptive manner? As we talked about earlier, did you say, hey, this was fake, or did you try to present it as reality? The third prong is, Is the content likely to impact public safety or cause serious harm? Now cause serious harm is kind of a whole different ball of wax, right? When we talk about one of these tech companies having a lot of authority, being able to use that authority against the losers that it wants to use it against, and maybe not affect the winners that it wants to protect, it's this kind of language. What does cause serious harm mean? Could mean physical harm, we talked about earlier in this video, could mean reputational harm, could mean something else that only Twitter knows. Maybe it's associating somebody with a political stance that they don't like or that they do like. And maybe it's okay if one or the other is applicable and Twitter determines it to be so. So you've got a whole lot of ambiguity, especially in that third prong. But let's look at how this actual chart lays out, right? Or I guess it's a table. So I apologize for all you statisticians out there in the audience. But the very first thing, is the content significantly and deceptively altered or fabricated? mark. It's not shared deceptively, and it's not likely to cause serious harm. It may be labeled. We're not going to commit to it. They actually don't make any kind of commitments when they make these rules. It's what we can do if we feel so inclined. But we've got something that's deceptive in, in terms of its alteration, in terms of its very existence, but you didn't share it deceptively, and it's unlikely to harm anybody. It's that Obama video that you made where he lauds all of the directorial and writing choices in The Rise of Skywalker. It may be labeled because maybe President Obama doesn't wanna be associated with those things and Twitter doesn't wanna get on the president's uh, bad side. So it may be labeled if they're so inclined. Is the content significantly and deceptively altered or fabricated? No, this video or photo that you shared is completely authentic. You might ask, Rick, why is this particular row in this table at all? To which I would answer, I have no idea. This is a synthetic and manipulated media policy. I don't know why this row exists, but they say, is the content shared in a deceptive manner? Yes. Is it likely to cause harm? No, the content may be labeled. And I'm trying to figure out this use case, right? You've got something that is absolutely real. You've got a celebrity that attended the Oscars wearing a meat suit or something along those lines. How can you share that deceptively? Maybe you add a quote that they didn't say and is related to the photo that's real in some fashion. And then it may be labeled. I don't know what Twitter would actually label it with in that particular circumstance. We saw in their short video that they want to label these things and link them to somebody explaining how the photo or video was manipulated. If there is no manipulation, I don't know what the plan is here. This seems like an overzealous Twitter lawyer trying to hit all the various versions of these three prongs. But I don't think it belongs in this table. It's unclear what Twitter would do with it if it did belong. And so here we are. The next one is content is likely to be labeled or maybe removed if it was altered and if it can cause harm, even if you didn't share it deceptively. So you've got something that is a more specific statement, some kind of politician saying something really bad or asking people to go after someone and giving their address, maybe a combination with some kind of doxing event. Even if you say in your tweet, hey, this is totally fake, but look at this cool thing that I made. The combination of it being deceptively altered and the fact that it could cause serious harm, this is the situation where Twitter may label it or is likely to label it, and they may even remove it. And you can kind of understand where they're coming from there, which is, hey, we don't trust the rest of our users. No one should trust the other users on Twitter. If you're on that service or any other piece of social media, you should never trust the other people that are on there with you. But Twitter doesn't trust those other users to not take that thing take the statement off that explains that it's fake and put it on their own site or on some other fake account site or maybe the baby nut site and cause trouble, cause that threat of physical harm. So they say, hey, we may remove it, we'll ascertain it and it is likely to be labeled because at that point, if we've got this potential risk for serious harm, we have to do something about it. The next row is, hey, it's been altered. Hey, you shared it deceptively. You basically claimed it was real, but it's not likely to cause harm. We're probably gonna label it for you. This is that second person that shared the Obama Loves Rise of Skywalker video. He's going to probably have it be labeled in that context because otherwise it's not obvious that this is fake. Finally, if it's all of these things, you altered it, you shared it as reality, and it's likely to cause harm, hey, we're likely to remove it. Okay, We're not talking about labels anymore. You are trying to do something bad with the service. We're likely to remove it. It's kind of unstated here in this table. Probably the user is likely to have some things happen to them as well from Twitter because this is the exact kind of thing that Twitter is trying to avoid. And hey, you know, this table is pretty useful except for that second row, and so we appreciate it when these companies go and break things down for us. But let's take a look at those actual categories a little bit more in depth. Now, we're not gonna read this whole rule because I don't wanna keep you here for an hour to talk about all of this, but we are gonna hit the highlights. So it says, is the content synthetic or manipulated? In order for content to be labeled or removed under this policy, we must have reason to believe that media, or the context in which media are presented are significantly and deceptively altered and manipulated. Synthetic and manipulated media take many different forms and people can employ a wide range of technologies to produce these media. We're not limiting ourselves, if we are Twitter, to just deep fake AI technology. You could do a whole bunch of stuff. You might be the best Microsoft Paint user that ever lived and can make that photo look like it actually happened. We are not limiting ourselves to specific aspects of technology. And in my opinion, that's actually very smart. I jokingly talk about Microsoft Paint, but there are technologies in the future that we can't comprehend, that we don't have any idea are going to exist. And so Twitter isn't limiting itself to that brand new thing that can do this weird thing that we couldn't have anticipated when we made this rule. In assessing whether media have been significantly and deceptively altered or fabricated, some of the factors we consider include. Now, if this isn't your first rodeo in virtual legality, you probably noted that they did not name this as an exclusive list. This is some of the factors we consider include, which means we can include any, any factors that we decide are pertinent to this inquiry. We're trying to give you a little bit of illustration here, but we are not limiting ourselves to this at all. And that's where another kind of notion of power comes for the Twitters and the Facebooks and everyone else that operates in this sphere. So you've got this situation where, hey, they could determine just on their own, based on some factor that isn't listed here, that it was deceptively manipulated. And it's very hard to anticipate those. It's very hard to maybe advise a client if something doesn't appear on this list, what Twitter will do. It's how you get so many maybes when you talk to lawyers about these things. But some of the items are whether the content has been substantially edited in a manner that fundamentally alters its composition, sequence, timing, or framing. Now that's a tough one in and of itself, right? If you're trying to shorten something, maybe a two hour speech, down to 15 minutes so that it's more easily digestible for your audience, that's gonna require a lot of editing. And there can be disagreement of well-minded, reasonable people about whether you lost certain amounts of the message by editing out X or editing out Y. And so this is where we start to get into those situations where you say, wow, is Twitter going to be even handed with those kinds of things? Or if someone is editing for digestibility, they're gonna take a heavier hand on one side or the other. The next one, any visual or auditory information that has been added or removed. They actually go in the parenthetical here to talk about new video frames, overdubbed audio or modified subtitles. In other words, the very things that you might add to give commentary on a speech or another video. And as we've talked about in virtual legality, one of the ways you get into a kind of fair use bucket of another person's video is to add that commentary, whether it's visual, whether it's audio. And so you start to get into situations here that says, okay, If Rick is talking about a video or talking over a video in virtual legality to hopefully give educational and informative legal context to that video, is that manipulation? I mean, at a certain level, at a kind of atomic level, it absolutely is, right? The video is different than when it came in. It's different after going through video uh, virtual legality, having me edit it and do all of those things than just in its original naked form. But is that deceptive? I'd argue no. But somebody could come in there and say, hey, Rick edited out this thing or muted the speaker when they were saying this thing and commented over it in order to change their message. And does that cause harm? You know, those are the kinds of questions that could pop up here. And when it's written this broadly as a policy, those are the kinds of questions that I worry about. Finally, they've given us whether media depicting a real person has been fabricated or simulated. Obviously, as we talked about, Twitter is mostly aimed here at The President Obama deepfake or anybody else, the Democratic candidates, President Trump, whoever might be of import for an ongoing situation, in particular, the U.S. election, I think, here in 2020. So when they're talking about this, they are really concerned about a real person being faked. We are most likely to take action on more significant forms of alteration, such as wholly synthetic audio or visual uh, video or content that has been doctored to change its meaning. Now, we talked about them having a broad kind of scope of their power for change its meaning. But I think giving them the benefit of the doubt on this sentence, you would say they are really worried about the things that never happened, that were never said, that are entirely faked. Doesn't mean they haven't reserved power to hit more things. And that's a, in and of itself a concern. But it does mean that they are really aiming this thing at those deep fake videos. Subtler forms of manipulated media, such as isolative editing, omission of context, or presentation with false context, may be labeled or removed on a case-by-case basis. And therein lies the rub. Then we start to get into those issues where you've got Politicek or Snopes or whomever making claims about something being changed in the editing, changed by context, presentation with false context. This is a lot of ambiguous power that Twitter has reserved for itself. And when you combine it with the fact that they want to link out to, quote unquote, reputable third party sources, this is where the conspiratorial minded among you start to say Twitter is aimed at X or aimed at Y, and they're going to take us down and Section 230 should be rescinded, et cetera, et cetera. And in all honesty, I don't love all this extra power that they reserve for themselves. Obviously, I'm making a video about it. This isn't the kind of thing that I think these tech giants should do to engender goodwill amongst their user base. And yet, it's what they do. This is now, what, month 14 of virtual legality, and we've done these terms and conditions deep dives for all of the tech giants in various respects, and they always do this. They always reserve this kind of ambiguous power on these ambiguous bases in order to be able to assert their authority when they need to. Uh, And you know, if I were running the company, I couldn't necessarily blame them, except I do think if you kind of push on that far enough, you wind up losing the trust of your user base. I think Facebook has experienced that a little bit more than Twitter at this point, but if Twitter continues down this road or if they use this power in a way that looks biased or that harms one group or another over another group or another, it might come back to haunt them a little bit. They finish this off by saying, we will not take action to label or remove media that have been edited in ways that do not fundamentally alter their meaning, such as retouched photos or color corrected videos. Who can complain about a color corrected video, right? But fundamentally alter their meaning is going to have a different a different understanding for joe over there than it is for maybe the guy at twitter that's interpreting what this probably political video is trying to say when it edited out the middle 20 minutes of this person's speech and then they say they'll use their own technology they will also receive reports through partnerships with third parties put a pin in that one because it'll be interesting to see who twitter is working with on these kinds of things who is identifying Non-reliable media, manipulated videos and imagery that can include things like editing and context. And is trying to, quote unquote, help Twitter identify those things. That'll be something to watch because that'll also tell part of the story here. The second prong was, of course, is the content shared in a deceptive manner? I think that's a little bit easier to understand. Uh, It says basically... If you had a deliberate intent to deceive people with how you tweeted this thing out by depicting it as reality, that'll be a checkmark in this prong. And I could go into this a little bit further, but for the most part, that seems like a fairly fair stance uh, that if you are trying to present this thing that is fake as true, that Twitter looks at it a little bit more closely. And I think that ultimately is warranted. Is the content likely to impact public safety or cause serious harm? Tweets that share synthetic and manipulated media are subject to removal under this policy if they are likely to cause serious harm. Some specific harms we consider include threats to the physical safety of a person or group, risk of mass violence, or widespread civil unrest. Now, let's break this down just a little bit, right? I've highlighted the word some there just to highlight again that this is an illustrative list. This is not an exclusive list. So they are allowing themselves to consider any other version of harm that they might deem appropriate. But think about how Twitter is used. Think about what Twitter does. And when we talk about widespread civil unrest, it's very easy to start thinking about things like Hong Kong or Venezuela or other areas in the world that have used Twitter and apps like Twitter to coordinate amongst themselves and to put video of what's happening and maybe to potentially edit that video and change the context of that video, maybe in a way that folks like China don't like or other areas of the world don't like and it'll be interesting to see how twitter responds to those kinds of concepts whether we get into another blizzard of backlash type scenario where you've got china kind of imposing things on the nba and on blizzard that winds up with us in the united states discussing them because when we talk about widespread civil unrest that doesn't rise to the level of a risk of mass violence right this is an or proposition so it's admittedly impliedly saying hey not just risks of mass violence, but widespread civil unrest that maybe don't rise to the level level of risk of mass violence, that that might be a harm that we could take away a video or a photo if we deem that its context was inappropriate and that you also presented that context as reality. When we Twitter or the third party that's reporting to us disagree on the reality of that situation, you start to get into an area where you say, oh, well, I hope I have trust in the leadership of Twitter to not abuse some of this authority that is reserved for itself because the way you have written this, the way that Rick talked about it in virtual legality suggests that you have an almost total authority to really do some bad stuff, stuff that maybe a lot of United States citizens wouldn't like. And I don't want to say or suggest that Twitter will use that power that way because I don't know, but it has reserved the right to do so if it were so inclined. Finally, they say threats to the privacy or ability of a person or group to freely express themselves, such as stalking, targeted content that includes tropes, voter suppression, or intimidation. Wait, what did I say? Targeted content that includes tropes? Even I don't know what Twitter is getting at there. Tropes are usually considered of as uh, things like TV tropes, you know, things that are uh, kind of plot elements uh, or things that are well-known that could be applied to a different situation and are often boring. So maybe there's a different definition of tropes that Twitter is kind of reaching for here, but this will be a threat to the privacy or ability of a person to freely express themselves with targeted content, including tropes. Something like attack memes are banned under this particular policy. Hard to see what they are thinking there, but it will be interesting to see if somebody is banned or suspended or something else is linked to or otherwise removed under this specific provision. If Twitter goes so far as to actually explain that it was removed under the targeted content that includes tropes provision. Uh, Finally, they say we will err towards removal in borderline cases. Hey folks, we're giving you fair warning here. If something looks like it might be a threat, if we don't like it and it could possibly fall under this umbrella, we're going to take it down. We are going to remove it. We are going to err on the side of removal. And I think overall, that's designed to give that signal to people, hey, probably don't put altered video, altered uh, photos, altered audio up on our site because we're going to err on removing it. Obviously, when you take into account all that we've talked about here, talking about things like context and editing of a video as being something that could potentially fall under this policy that creates its own problems. But Twitter says, hey, we're going to err towards removal. And that's the warning that they give. Finally, they kind of describe what we already saw in the 34 second video, which is, hey, we want to do this labeling thing. We want to send you to these reputable sources. They say in this very policy that we are going to have these reputable sources that are also going to tell us when they find something that they think is manipulated or manipulative based on the context or the editing or some things that maybe aren't as obvious as, hey, President Obama never said that thing about Rise of Skywalker. And that's really where the rubber hits the road, right? I think we can all kind of get behind If you've got a deep fake that is designed to try to establish that candidate X said something that they would never say in order to kind of infringe on the free elections of the United States. Yep. Okay. Probably in that specific circumstance, we can all get behind Twitter, at least labeling the thing, if not outright removing it. But in this context, now we've got all these various ambiguous rules that combine together To give Twitter this authority, to give whoever these third party partners are this authority to identify things for Twitter that Twitter is very likely to label or take down once identified by one of these third party partners, then we start to get into another of those areas where Twitter has reserved for itself all this authority, just like Facebook, just like Google, just like YouTube, where If you fall afoul of them for some reason that may have nothing to do with this policy, this is another arrow in their quiver to make life difficult for you because they don't like you. And I think that's really what people wind up responding to a lot. That's why you see a lot of the conspiracy theories online is because you've seen Twitter and you've seen Facebook and you've seen YouTube attack various creators or content providers in ways that at least some of you deem to be unfair. And that's really happened. I know some of you don't wanna believe it, but that really has happened on both sides of various political spectrums. I don't wanna say that it's equal on either side. I don't think that it is. But in various ways and in various lights, people have been unfairly stripped of their powers or authority uh, to make content on all of these services. And I think all of the tech giants are really trying to get to a place where what they are doing is at least notionally something that is due process like, right? Twitter and Facebook and YouTube are never going to owe any of their users what we would consider due process, right? You don't get a trial. They don't have to apply their rules equally. Heck, they don't really even have to tell you why they banned you or suspended you or took all your content down off their service, but they want to be seen as treating their users fairly because most people that use their service want to be treated fairly. And they want to think that the service is treating all of its people fairly, even if under the law, under their contract terms, under their rules and policies, like the ones we looked at today, they don't necessarily have to. So my recommendation for something like this is to follow it, to be interested, to be engaged, to look at how Twitter uses these rules, uses the authority that it has granted to itself in the future, because we can't really know whether it's going to abuse these rules whether it's going to impact one side or the other on any number of different issues but we can know that they have taken that right to themselves and we can watch to see how they ultimately use it this has been virtual legality for today thank you so much for stopping in with me for checking out the video if you think somebody might be interested in this please do share it around we are talking about these kinds of things all the time software technology business and law of pop culture. If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed,